There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. Flora, I think you'll find it's Amber Rudd first. And shouldn't you tell people who we are? Okay, uh, with journalist Flora Gill and failed politician Amber Rudd. (laughs) Or more like the Right Honourable Amber Rudd and her nobody daughter. Okay, wow, taking that to therapy. Each week we'll be discussing topics that split opinion and we'll be trying to convince each other to change their minds. That's right, because here at Split Opinion we think changing your mind should be celebrated. Too often today, people refuse to listen to the other side and have become very dogmatic in their positions. That's something I learned a lot about in the past few years in politics. So we'll be looking at items that have changed our mindset in the last week before picking a subject to delve into. Sometimes they'll be serious, like drug legalisation and prostitution. Other times they'll be less so, like telly and thongs. But we won't be doing it alone. We'll be joined by a guest, an expert, who can help each of us win our particular case. So without further ado, let's get started. So before we get on to our main topic of disagreement, which is on reality TV shows, and we'll be having our guest Georgia Toffolo joining us, also known as Toff, to help us win our case or help me win my case, um, to warm us up and get us used to the possibility of changing our minds, because people are usually quite reticent to do that. Each of us are going to talk about a thing that we've changed our mind on this week. So mum, why don't you tell me something that's changed your mindset this week? So... I have been interested to see photographs this week of people online, but where they've covered up their children's faces. And I think there's an interesting uh, debate going on there, which I'm actually undecided on, as to whether people should be putting photographs of their children up. And I mean, celebrities generally, who are, you know, trying to get attention and putting these photographs up and then they sort of pixelate out their faces and I think that's I mean as a viewer it's a bit odd if you're looking at a picture you think you're looking at a family picture and then you see their faces blurred out but I can see why they do it but I would just urge people to either have their photographs and their children out because they want photographs of their children out there or just not to have their children in the photographs I think the mixture is a bit confusing no I think that's the wrong attitude to be honest because I don't think it's up to you to say oh I find that little smiley a bit disconcerting I think it's a parent's decision whether or not they want to share images of their children but I think if they want to share images of a happy moment and then black out their their child's face or cover it you as a viewer of a celebrity's image they don't owe you anything I'm distracted but it doesn't matter who cares that you're distracted they don't owe you but I'm I'm, I'm just saying what is the point of them putting out a picture although I can see the reasons why you wouldn't have pictures of your children I'm just saying make a decision no, I think people are allowed to share happy moments with their children without needing to show their faces. I think it's a fine compromise. <laughs> How do you know they're happy? The children might be sobbing. You can't see their faces. They might be, but I don't think they are. I just think as a viewer of celebrity content, you can't demand anything. You can't go, I want to either see a child's face or not be distracted by that smiley. But having said that, I do think the question of uh, whether or not parents should be showing photos of their kids on social media is interesting. I mean, in terms of celebrities, you have like Kristen bell for example he's like from veronica mars or 
The Good Place or Forgetting Sarah Marshall. She's an amazing actress and I was obsessed with The Good Place. But she never shows pictures of her children and she always does a little covering up and I think it's completely fine. Whereas Chrissy Teigen's kids, who Chrissy Teigen, who I'm also a huge fan of and is great on social media, I think I would recognise her kids if I saw them in the street, okay. which is quite strange. Well, I'm, I may have stepped into an area I don't know enough about because I don't know who these people are we're talking about. <laughs> I suppose it's the modern equivalent of, in my day, when you and your brother were at school, there were certain parents parents whose children were young actors and so would go off and earn quite a lot of money doing acting for the family and that was all part of how they managed to fund their lifestyle and I think that if the child then turns around and says no not for me the parents have to acquiesce but there is a point at which they're actually quite an important earner in the family and maybe that's what's going on here a lot of these influencers are using their children as props in order to be successful in order to make some money. I don't, know. I don't know. I think that's a bit unfair to say they're using them as props. I mean, I'm sure some are. Some probably are. But I think with a lot of the case, it's just, you know, when you're, when you're a blogger or a personality like that, your, your life is your brand yes, and your kids are yes. an important part of your life. And so yes. they become kind of wrapped up in that. Yes. No, I think that's, that's like I've got a good friend who has a very successful family type brand and her children are part of the advertising and always have been. And I do think that's reasonable. Um, so I think it's, I think the conclusion is, I would say, is that as long as you're using them in a sort of an honest way, in a way, then that's fine. And if the, but if the child turns around and says, I've had enough of this, then, you know, that you've got to respect that. Would you have uh, posted photos of me on social media when I was well, a kid? Well, well, maybe if I had, Flora, you would have got all this exhibitionism out of your... <laughs> out, of, out of your system. No, of course I would have, because you were such a great beauty. Oh, my God, now we know who Mom's like. <laughs> so one of the things that I've changed my mind on this week, or, or had a mental refresh on it, I don't know what the expression is, but this makes, might make me sound idiotic, but I don't think I'd ever realised how much a billionaire, how much a billion was, or how much a billionaire had in terms of money. So I was I was just reading a, um, I saw an, a tweet on it the other day, so just to, to put this in perspective, mum, how long ago do you think a million seconds was? A million seconds? I have no idea. I'm going to say uh, a week ago. I mean, that's not, actually, that's not far off. It was 12 days ago. Oh, well, that, that's close. Okay. So bearing in mind that how long ago was a billion seconds? A billion seconds must have been 100 days ago. That is, that is very, very far off. A billion ye- seconds ago was 32 years ago. 32 so years like ago. the 1980s. Mum actually did almost start to get out a pen and paper and do the maths and then just <laughs> gave up. That, that shows you, like I kind of always thought that like you were a millionaire and then, you know, you, you might quite quickly become a billionaire. It was the next, the next step. But actually that is 12 days and... 32 years, that is a big difference. That is a big difference. I mean, one of the interesting things about that is that um, when government talks about billions of this and billions of that, really people struggle to understand how much that is. It's just a unit, really, to compare to other units, whether it's going up or whether it's going down. But a billion is a difficult number to get your head around. Yeah, and I, I know that I know this is very obvious to a lot of people who are on the left, but I just... Given how much it is, I do not see how you can justify ethically or morally having billionaires when that is just so much money. Yeah, it is a huge amount. It's a, it's a thousand million, actually, to yeah. be precise. Yeah. Um, and do you know, Flora, we have just, the world has just got its first trillionaire, apparently. Do you know who that is? Uh, I, I would guess Jeff Bezos. You are right. Yes. Yeah. Since we all use Amazon so much, we shouldn't be that surprised. But that is an ex- that is a, a million million. That is an extraordinary amount to get your heads around. My, I actually do, my favourite Jeff Bezos money thought process is that if you earn £10,000, or it might be dollars, sorry, I don't know, every day, how long until you have the same amount of money as Jeff Bezos. £10,000 every day. I'm, I'm not going to even try to work this out. Let's say 10 or 15 or 20 years. Yeah, your, your maths is not... 50, 60, 70 years. Keep going. 100 years. Next it's, century. It's 45,000 years. 45,561 <laughs> years. Okay. That is... That is too much money. No, no one, I just, oh, it's very unconservative, I know. But I mean, spoiler alert, I'm not a conservative. But I just don't think anyone should be allowed to have that much money. Yes, okay, so you want to introduce a new tax for billionaires and others. 
Yeah, I yeah the, the only problem with that, I mean, there are many problems with that, but one of them is that uh, if you introduce the tax here, the billionaires will just go and live elsewhere and spend all their money there and the that economy will get the benefit of that spending. So there are always consequences, but I'm, you know, I think that there are issues. There are certainly issues of inequality with billionaires, let alone trillionaires. Also, actually, do you know how many billionaires there are in this country, in the UK? No. How many? There's only 45. 45, yeah. Was, where, are, where, where, where are the most of them? I think, I think there's a lot in America. There's probably a lot in America, yeah. I think there's probably a few in Russia. I th- yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention really to the rest of the world. declaring it quite in the same way, I would suggest. Yeah, but I guess maybe... I don't know. I see the point of if you'd start taxing the, the billionaires, of which there are only 45 in this country, huge amounts, then they'll just sod off to somewhere else and get taxed less there. But also, also I know that everyone's always everyone always kind of looks to... The, to the people above them and, and and think that having that much money must be immoral and, and ethical, but it's all... It is, it is worth thinking about. I certainly agree. Mm. I don't feel like I've... I've well, got... I'm not in charge of, you know, taxations, obviously, never have been. But um, I also agree that it's a huge amount of money and um, it should be considered. I mean, some countries have wealth taxes. If we ever get a Labour government again here, that could well come in. I think that would please you. Yeah. What would you do if you were a billionaire? Um, what would I do? Obviously, world peace. Is that not the world peace? World peace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, if I'm, am I allowed to get rid of? You can't buy world peace. But nice, nice thought. I'm pretty sure I, I could buy world peace. I'd be like a proper. I was watching Miss Congeniality last week. Oh. Love that film. It, it's such a great film. But me, I was, I was watching it with a couple of friends. We called out every time you would call HR, and it was, it was like forty-two times. But she wants world peace. And tougher penalties for parole, parole offenders. I can't believe that you is that. that is the Home Secretary's answer. Absolutely, <laughs> you're right. There's a bit a bit of weirdness in it anyway. But coming back to you, yeah. apart from world peace Bad and tougher peace. sentences for parole offenders, mm-hmm. what would you like? I think a Flora Gill themed theme park. I think <laughs> I think it would be great. It would be full of innuendos. Everybody would hate it. It'd be very wet. <laughs> I think it would be fantastic. So our main topic of the week is, is there nothing good about reality TV? And in a little bit, I'll be joined by Toff, Georgia Toffolo, to help me win my case. Uh, You might have guessed that, Mum, you do not think there is anything good with reality TV. I don't. I mean, I hate it in so many different levels. I used to come home and when you lived here, you'd be sitting on the sofa with your brother and all I'd hear is somebody from the screen shouting at someone else or just gossiping with someone else and it just feels so mindless I think you watch television to watch a film to watch a series there are funny entertaining things but just reality TV which just seems to me two people or a group of people gossiping about other people set on an island set in this place set in that place but that's all it is it's just vacant it goes on and on and there's nothing enriching about it at all I mean I I love reality TV. I'm completely addicted to it. I watch so much reality TV and I can I can sit there and just watch it for hours and hours and think, oh my God, where has my day gone? I feel like it's a bit unfair to you just saying that, you know, it's vapid uh, or just, you know, empty because that's, it's it's not. It's about real people's lives and it's it sometimes can be very moving and it can be very interesting. I think it's unfair because you, you, I think people expect you're going to be watching you know, romantic, real-life dramas. That yes, are, that's but, what I like. No, you don't. You like, like, Mission Impossible 5. Yeah, I love that, yeah. <laughs> but those are those are big, dramatic films where, you know, there's a drama, there's a centre, there's a finish, and usually, if you're lucky, there's a happy ending. It's, what you oh. said earlier is that you can watch it for the whole day. People, it's just sapping people, young people's particularly, their time, their brain, they sit there sort of, like you and your brother did, slightly ma- mindlessly just watching it. And I also think it's dishonest, this idea of the perfect body on Love Island, the perfect life, and people just engaging with each other in this positive way. Or then it trips over into something slightly ugly. I understand that there's been... You know, live sex on some of these um, these sessions. Sessions, what I mean, was it on Big Brother, was it on some other show. And I feel that that's exploitative. So I'm worried about it exploiting people. I'm worried about it, the people who watch it, basically just watching it for hours and hours rather than doing anything constructive. And then I know that it's also had mental health issues for people, sometimes with tragic consequences for people who've participated. I don't see the redeeming qualities in it. I do think this is, I have, I have difficulty uh, arguing from my side because 
because I do think there is an issue with a lot of the uh, exploitative nature of it just in terms of people not really knowing what they're signing up for or especially on on shows that we used to have like Jeremy Kyle which obviously got cancelled and other things there's there is definitely an issue with that and there has been a lack of aftercare but a lot of that a lot of that is being changed recently like we saw Jeremy Kyle has been cancelled in 2019 I know Ofcom introduced uh, new guidelines and new rules uh, to TV following the results of the, the mm. tragic consequences of Love Island and other other shows to try and try and help that um, so I, I, I do think these shows are improving in that way they may be improving but isn't the aim of the show to uh, to make fun of people and to insult them and sometimes just to shame them and Ofcom may have put out the regulations and there may be less damage being done to people who participate. But at the core of it, people who watch these things are being encouraged to laugh at other people. And those people who are being laughed at, um, you know, they they will suffer the consequences of it. And I think it's damaging to both sides. I, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think, I think it certainly has been in some shows. But for example, if you look at other ones like, you know, Queer Eye, for example. Have you ever watched Queer Eye? No. It's great. It's for it's uh, five. There's Fab Five, five guys that go and take someone that's feeling bad about themselves, who's not in a good position, and it's kind of a modern makeover that's, right. that's more positive. And it's it's really really positive. And I think I think other shows can be really, really helpful. So like I think Hoarders has probably helped some people that have spotted. I read a, a blog the other day about someone that had come to terms with their own problem by watching Hoarders. I think RuPaul's Drag Race has been really positive for a lot of people learning to love themselves, especially gay people. But the makeover type ones, I can see the point in that because that is a a positive thing, helping people learn about themselves and feel comfortable about themselves or making over in terms of well, what they look or how they feel. That all sounds possible. It's the kind of nastiness that I really don't like that seems to be part of some of these shows. I always wonder if there's an element of almost classism with it where people are okay with one type of reality tv show that is you know strictly an all nice ball dancing but not okay with things like jersey shore or geordie shore uh which they think is a lower denominator i don't think i watch enough of it to really comment on that except isn't it also an age issue because um something like strictly well it had ed balls on it didn't it it has different age groups on it which makes it more relatable to, to your generation. To my generation. To your generation. I'm exactly, not Exactly, to mixed generations. One of the ones I thought was interesting, um, I always thought that 16 and Pregnant, I thought you might use as an, as an example because uh, I used to watch it quite a lot and was quite addicted. And I remember you used to worry that it glamorised this teen pregnancy. And um, But I, I saw a statistic the other day that, I mean, it was a while ago in 20, 2010, but there was a survey that said that 87% of teens who had watched MTV's 16 and Pregnant's pregnant felt the show educated them about becoming pregnant at a young age and that was you know the year after there was a huge drop in the united states so oh, maybe 16 and pregnant you know so they weren't glamorizing it they were saying look how problematic it's best to avoid it doesn't it doesn't look like a barrel of laughs for the 16 and pregnant girls <laughs> i mean it look they, they all they all have great relationships with their kids and it's kind of a beautiful it's beautiful to watch in many ways but it doesn't it doesn't look. It doesn't make me want to go out and. I, I did watch get Pimp My Ride once. Oh my god! I did think that was fantastic. <laughs> Put doors in your doors in your doors. It was always like you know. You, it was one of those things that reminded me of like my my grandma, where if you mentioned around her that you quite liked pink cats, you would then get toys of pink cats for the next hundred <laughs> years. True. That's what Pimp My Ride was like. You had to be careful what you said to them. If you were like, oh, you know, aquariums are all right. Suddenly they were like, we turned your car into a mobile aquarium. It's fantastic. No, that was that was great fun to watch because that was like fulfilling people's dreams and using your imagination to make these cars absolutely extraordinary. That I can see. Okay, I think that's interesting. I still think that those kind of shows that you think are exploitative, I think they're mostly fine, but I think that they all need to be a lot of them need to be a, a, need to evolve. They need to adapt and change. I think like an issue with Love Island is the fact that it's only one type of body and it's kind of glamorized. I also found out the other day that they have to walk around in their bikinis. They can't put on clothes. And that, again, as we were talking about in our first episode, it just perpetuates this idea of this one perfect body. And I think that's slightly damaging. I mean, even when I look back on some of the old reality TV shows we used to watch some of them are just so problematic there was that show called oh, i think it was called there's something about maria there's something about marie 
It was basically one of those love, those romance shows where it was um, a bunch of men trying to win the affection of, of one woman, except in this example, the woman was uh, transgender. And it was kind of the whole point was, ha ha ha, they don't know. And it, it, it just, the fact that anybody used to watch that is just remarkable. It kind of shows you how far, we've, yeah. how far yeah. we've gone, how far yeah. we've come, how far we've progressed. I mean, I mean, your generation didn't invent the reality TV shows that we used to see in my age group when we were much younger, like Opportunity Knocks, which was the original kind of of okay fine but these were shows which tried to showcase people who were going to be great singers or uh, performers in some way so those sort of competitive ones where I think people were looked after and there was a real skill being applied are different to the ones where it's what I think is just young people having a chat to each other and as you say being told to only wear bikinis when they strut around. You don't like the idea of people being encouraged to basically be famous for fame's sake. That's right. Uh, Because that encourages young people to think that fame is something to aspire to in itself rather than achievement in some way, like being able to invent something or deliver something or achieve something. Instead, they just think, I want to be famous. And if I can get on one of these reality TV shows, I can. Can I ask, did you ever want to be on one of these reality TV shows? I mean, is it something that you and your friends when you were much younger thought, oh, if only we can do that? No, not at all. I think, uh, to be honest, I think we were all a little bit judgy of it maybe I think possibly because maybe because we just weren't on them so we were just a bit judgy (laughs) but also you might have been falling into what I think is has happened is that you kind of sneer at the people on it and that you know that's what offends me about it is it's all about uh, making a judgment on the people who are in it and I think it's bad for them and bad for the people watching it laughing at people's misfortune exactly and and then being exploited by you know having to strut around and perform in a certain way for the audience viewer. One of the great examples, I think, of a person that shows the two sides of uh, of this debate is Susan Boyle, who was a contestant on Britain's Got Talent. And uh, on the one side, on the positive side, that was a person that would never have been spotted, would never have cracked into the music industry and become a huge success had it not been for a show like that that was able to give her a platform, was able to show her to the masses and display her talent and make her just an, a huge success. And quite rightly, she's got a huge talent. But on the other side, uh, a part of her success was definitely people, I would say, kind of laughing at her, not with her. It was the way she came out on the stage and was quite flirty and people thought she was silly and it it was definitely had an element of mockery to it. And then uh, years later, I know that she was diagnosed to have a mental health issue. And I don't think that was, I think that was part of the reason that that the X Factor showed her it was kind of oh look you don't expect someone like this and then oh my god she has an amazing voice and I think it's it's that balance of of being helpful and real and you know good television but also being exploitative of the individual I, I think that's absolutely right and I do remember she has the most extraordinary voice and people were genuinely stunned by it but there was then a terrible kind of um, maelstrom of chasing her around in terms of following her personally etc and she suddenly had to deal with this extraordinary intrusion in her private life And that is very difficult to deal with, just suddenly becoming famous. And I don't think she handled it easily. But I think a lot of the issues of these shows is that they they don't prepare people for becoming famous so quickly and overnight. And I think that is a big deal, especially shows that end up having goodies and baddies. And then they don't prepare you to become a baddie for the public. Yeah, I think fame overnight is very hard because the public will love you one day and bring you down the next. That's not easy to deal with. Flora, you don't like getting difficult tweets. Imagine what it would be like to be in that position. Uh, My favourite was when I got a little bit of a heart attack when it said... uh, the new Love Island contestant to go in was called Amber Gill. Yes, I saw that. I got a bit of a heart attack when somebody sent me a headline which says, Amber Gill reveals all about sex secrets. (laughs) Because that was your your actual name for about a heartbeat. It was. It was my married name, as you say, for a heartbeat, but quite an important one given the two children. Would you ever go on Love Island? Are you tempted? (laughs) Definitely not tempted, Flora. I don't think they're tempted to have you. I think that's fair enough. Uh, I think you're going to love this. Have you seen that there's a new reality TV show that's coming out in America, which is like a version of The Bachelor? Do you know what The Bachelor is? Is that like Blind Date, which Stella Black used to do when there's a competition for uh, one man to select one of three girls type thing? Yeah, a little bit, except it's far more women and then they get eliminated each week. They give, give right. them a rose. But anyway, right. it's, it's, it's a, over a longer process. But anyway, this version is uh, a number of men all battling out for one woman. But instead of a date at the end, you get to impregnate her. 
You are kidding. That's horrific. Is that even legal? I think I, mean, I think it's by IVF. I don't think it has to be direct to consumer. Um, <laughs> but I think it's because she wants she wants a baby and she's finding a baby daddy and it's it's search for the baby daddy. I mean, you know, that is just the very definition of exploitative. Horrific. I can't believe that's even allowed. But presumably the ratings are good. I only know about this show because it's called Labour of Love. But I thought I'd invented it because I came up with a similar TV show, but I wanted to call it Fetal Attraction. <laughs> That is terrible, Flora. Great name. (laughs) Very good. Well, rather than either of us making assumptions or guesses as to what it's like uh, being on a reality TV show and whether it is exploitative or whether whether they know what they're getting into, uh, I think it's probably a great time to bring on our guest who's been in multiple. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi! Hi, girls! How are you? (laughs) Oh my God, you do look like you're Miss Universe with the universe behind you. I know! I didn't even know how to do it. It's better no, it's than the great. backdrop in my I'm going to want ours like that next time, Flora. Yeah, it's very unexciting, ours. <laughs> anyway, so sweet of you to do this with us. Oh, no, I'd be so excited. I was thrilled to be asked. <laughs> Thank you. Mum was just asking, do we call you Toff or Georgia or what do you go by? I don't mind, darling, either, either. It used to be like all of my friends, everyone called me Toff. And then... Obviously, when I did I'm a Celeb, like, the world called me Toff. So then they've reverted back to Georgia, so I'm really relaxed, whatever. Okay, why don't we call you Toff? If, yes, If the definitely. world knows you as Toff, let's go with Toff. Um, just quickly, so I, about an hour ago, I thought, I'm sure that we've been in, in some silly article together, because I remember screenshotting it and sending it to my friend. So I googled Amber, your name and my name, and it came up with this thing, and it's so mortifying for me. It was basically saying that I was at some Tory fundraiser, and I was working the room so hard, like, really, really social climbing, going between you and Mark Francois. I was mortified. I'm mortified to be mentioned in the same sentence as Mark Francois. (laughs) Really embarrassing. I think I remember that. It was lovely to see you and Stanley was there and um, I think in in traditional Tory way, those of us who at the time were Secretaries of State were being auctioned off. (laughs) (laughs) So Obviously we haven't started yet, Toff, but... uh... (laughs) No, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, how's it all going? I, I listened to last week's. So I thought it was brilliant. Thanks. Yeah, it's going good. It's intense. It's weird. <laughs> but it's so fun that you're doing it together. I mean, the world was gagging for it. You're giving the people what they wanted. <laughs> we like to think so. So what are you... Shall we start? Yeah, let's start. We're, we're going to start off. Um, so, Toff, tell us, what are you up to now yourself? 
Well, I haven't really been doing much, actually. It's a bit worrying. Normally, I've got something booked in to look forward to. Because television's quite... You know, when you do something, you look forward to the next thing. But um, I've been writing my first fiction novel, which is quite a big thing for me. And it's coming out in October, so that's the big next thing. But yeah, apart from that, I've got a, I've got a dog um, who's just coincidentally gone to the loo in my bedroom about half an hour ago, which is charming. Um, but yeah, nothing else to report. Dog and book. <laughs> Good. And is the book going to be based on uh, your experience becoming a celebrity etc or is it sort of different type of fiction um well it's, it's chick lit i think it'll be a bit of an easy read but i wanted it the first one um it's it's based in chelsea which is obviously very me um and there's a bit of a department store that i kind of modeled on peter jones sneakily um but yeah it's a fun thing i've always wanted to write fiction i didn't think i was that good at it so i needed a lot of help but yeah it's really exciting good well done so we're having a debate here about reality tv And I take uh, the view that it's not very good for people to spend hours watching it. And the people who participate are often exploited and uh, it's sort of out of control in terms of the viewing, both for the viewers and for the people participating. And even the people who win, who become successful, often can't handle the celebrity status. So overall, I'm afraid I think it's a bad thing. Maybe, Flora, you want to say what your view is? Well, I just, I'm a complete addict on reality TV show. And I think that... A lot of I think a lot of the shows need to evolve in the way that they treat their contestants, but a lot of them have started to do that. So I'd love to know what your experience of that has been like. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah. I'm going to start off by saying I've been so fortunate, and I've got friends who haven't been as fortunate as me. I felt incredibly well looked after by all the ch- different channels I've worked for, but I also think it's important to address that I was very mindful and cautious of perhaps overexposing yourself because I started doing reality tv when I was 18 19 I was a baby and I had a bit of a taste of negative wasn't even press back then it was I got classic maiden Chelsea scene guy who I liked went off with another girl I was mortified I was so upset so emotionally scarred I made a decision from that day on to keep my private life private and it's been really difficult because I think when you do what I do you know I have done well because I'm my true authentic self but I'm also very mindful that I need to keep that little bit back for me because what you were saying Amber it can be very prevalent in the world that I work in and I think a lot of it is where your private life is plastered to the point where it's detrimental to your mental health and I've been lucky because I haven't allowed it to happen but it's not been easy. Do you think that you're going to stay in this area of work and do you do more reality tv and stuff? Well the problem is with me I've done all of the big ones but um which that is quite scary for me because I it's all that I've known in my adult work life you know I've done Made in Chelsea so you can't really do if you've done MIC you can't really go on to Geordie Shore or TOWIE because obviously it doesn't work like that um so I've ticked that box I've done things like Gogglebox I did Celebs Go Dating then of course the big one I mean Flora very similar to you I just love TV I love reality TV so the big one I begged ITV to let me go on the jungle begged I was literally knocking on the door being please 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 give me a chance of course I did it and did so well so I think well what do I do now so maybe I do go in a different direction but it's been a wonderful experience for me personally why do you think people love reality tv shows so much what do you think about it is that they find so appealing i think it's either because it's tremendously relatable most of the time it's people getting dumped or being upset or people falling in love we all do it but i think at the other end of the spectrum i think it's just so bizarre and so far away and i think all of us need a bit of like relief and i think it takes you away from your life for an hour or two and i think people really really need that occasionally. So, but what do you think about Love Island, for instance? I mean, Flora was telling me that they're told they have to wear bikinis. Um, You know, that feels to me just a bit exploitative of young women. I agree, but I also do think these young women, you know, you do not have to do reality TV. It's a a decision that you consciously make to sign up to live your life very publicly. And I also do think this might be quite controversial, but I actually think Love Island, of all of the TV programmes, not that I've done it, I've watched it a little bit, but I actually think the women are 50% in control, which quite for, for reality TV, you don't actually see that. They control their destiny on the show. And I always say this, and some people think that I'm telling porkies when I do interviews. You know, producers do not put words in your mouth. They will try to manipulate you and manoeuvre you in the direction that they feel will be best and more watchable. But if you're strong and you turn around and say, we're not actresses, I've never had a script. So, you know, I think you are very much in control of how you are perceived. But I think some people, sometimes girlies, 
do things to get extra airtime, and that's where you get into bother. What, so like hooking up when it's not real and then you're in a dangerous yeah. position? Oh my God, I felt under so much pressure to do that, and thank God I resisted. But yeah, because you'll be thinking, particularly at the beginning, when I first moved to London, I had this job, and Maiden Chelsea doesn't pay very, very well at the beginning, and I was trying to live as close to Chelsea as possible, and I knew that if you have a love interest, you get more airtime. You know, that is a sad fact. Um, and I think, yeah, that probably is the one thing that I feel a bit uncomfortable with, with my industry. However, as I said, you sign up to it. Yes. But do you think also, sorry, do you think also there's an element of the more that goes on in reality TV, the lower the standards go? And so I was hearing that sometimes now there's even been encouraging people to actually have sex on reality TV and to show it. And I mean, it keeps on sort of going lower and lower to get people's attention. Which, in my eyes, is a sad inevitable because, you know, what do they do next? There's only so many storylines shows like Made in Chelsea can rerun. And I was thinking the other day about that, you know, that ghastly programme on Netflix. I think it was called Love is Blind. Oh, I love Of course, we all bloody loved it. But I just feel really uncomfortable with that where you're kind of meant to fall in love with someone which of course is never going to happen that you haven't actually seen in real life right they're still together guys don't yeah, ruin this yeah that's another thing you know my friend has had a baby with someone on, on Made in Chelsea and what a beautiful gift that is there's something to be said for these reality TV shows I don't know the thing I find that, I, that always worries me about reality TV shows is that in order to make good television, you basically have to have goodies and baddies. And that is the case on, for example, Made in Chelsea or other shows. And then you get, you know, let out into the world and you're the bad. Yeah, but then if I look at who I've worked with that have been portrayed as the baddies, they actually are kind of like that in real life. Oh, like who? Well, <laughs> baddies. Who is a baddie on Made in, Made in Chelsea? No, no. Well, the most loved character was Spencer Matthews. And he was so naughty back in the day. And he was so authentic. Why do you think everyone, whenever you say, whenever I'm stopped in the street, who do they always say they love? Spencer Matthews. And I think the British public love authenticity. And, you know, I also, I think it's important to say, like, from my perspective, it's given me a really wonderful voice. And I was thinking about what I was going to say to you guys. And I remember it must have been just before the 2015 general election. And I don't, you guys might know, I suppose you do know, I really love my politics. And it was so important for me to shoehorn something into a scene. And Monkey Kingdom, who run, who do Made in Chelsea, were very apprehensive about it, which I understand. And at the time, I was really, really worried about voter apathy amongst young people. And all I got in this scene, and it took me weeks to get it in, was, boys, have you registered to vote? It was just one line. Brilliant. And from that, when I've got a million people, young, quite impressionable people watching, how is that a negative? No, that's really good, Toff. That's really impressive. It's a small triumph, but a, a triumph for have the you, same. Um, have you ever thought about getting more involved in politics yourself? I mean, you know, I think you should think about, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, Parliament can feel a bit like a reality TV show sometimes, even at the best of times. But you'd be really good in Parliament. Have you thought about standing as an MP at all? I just don't think I'm clever enough. I've got the passion, but I just don't think the brains are there. Imagine if you well, go to the on, and you, you could vote for Toff. They'd be like, what? <laughs> there are, I, I shouldn't really name names, but there are some of my colleagues um, you would beat hands down. Um, you know, it's, that's you not particularly an intellectual battle of the that's wits. That's not a particular compliment to you. But it's so frustrating. You know, when I keep on getting branded as it's so infuriating, but kind of jokes at the same time, Boris in a bikini. I have it so often. And like, in a way, I'm kind of sad that you can't be this dual person where, you know, I used to have big blonde hair extensions and prance around in my bikini and also talk about politics. Like, why is that bizarre? You know, I agree, but that's. I think that's also one of the things that mum, mum. I think you sometimes make assumptions about people on reality TV shows that they are one-sided or single-minded. You often say like, oh, you know, there's people on Love Island just walking around in bikinis, but actually, some of them are very intelligent. They all have, you know, a multifaceted, and and they do talk about lots of different subjects. I think the one big thing for me, what I loved and why I think I subconsciously did it, it gave me a fast track to my independence. And when, you know, I I made a really difficult decision not to go to university. 
um, and stick with doing reality TV. I don't know what possessed me to do it. I'm really glad I did now because it's worked out well. Um, but but with that in mind, by the time my friends had left university, I was already so independent and, you know, doing things that I never thought I'd be able to do and travelling. So, of course, I've been very fortunate. But at the same time, it gives you a platform. And if you're up for doing it, of course, it is very, very intrusive and nothing can prepare you for that. But if it's managed well, I do think it's a brilliant thing. You've obviously handled it very well and have used it as a, as a really interesting platform, Toff. And I love your business of boys have you remembered to register to vote. But do you think there's an issue for other people sometimes who win these things and then they're suddenly famous? We were talking earlier about Susan Boyle, who famously was suddenly famous and the press really chased her down. I mean, it can be very difficult. So difficult. I mean, I was lucky because I had a bit of a progression. I did Made in Chelsea and then I did The Jungle and I did other shows. So I kind of got the press, even for me. When I came back into London, I just, it was like a steam train had hit me. And for a year, I wasn't myself. And that's me and I'm quite robust. And I was quite well prepared. It's not as though it was Love Island where you go in and no one knows who you are and you come out these, you know, one of the the best known people in the UK. So yeah, I must agree with you with that. I think you have to be very cautious and it's one of the negatives that comes with what I do. But I also would be very foolish to say that I have a hatred for it because it gets people talking about things that I want them to know about. And, you know, it, it's important. My, my worry, my thought would be, I don't know why I'm arguing mum's side on this, but with a lot of people, it can be great. So for example, for you, because you've had such a success out of it. But one of the issues is with people pursuing this line is that, you know, we're talking to, you know, a, a lottery winner telling everyone to buy lottery tickets. Like a lot of people might be pursuing a reality TV career and most people aren't going to end up winning the jungle. Well, yeah, it's so true. And I saw a lot of that on Made in Chelsea with with young people that were so dying to be on the show. They would do anything to do it. And I think then it just doesn't work. And as I said, I've had a lot of luck with it, but that's just not the way to do it. And actually, I don't know, so many people message me in the area and they say, oh, should I do Made in Chelsea? And I'm thinking, God, I don't know what to say to them because it's been a bumpy old ride, but an amazing one at the same time. Um, But the key thing, as I said earlier, for me is being keeping my private life as private as possible. Do you think it gives young people a sort of false ambition who will say, I just want to be famous rather than I need to get my physics degree so I can go off to university? I know, but it is a viable option now. And that does frustrate me when, because I gave myself such a hard time. I even went to see a career therapist because I was so mortified that I was throwing away my life that I'd worked so hard towards. And I think it can work out well, but of course it's such a small percentage of people that do do well. But I do also get, um, I don't know, I, I used to get embarrassed about, what I do for work so if someone didn't recognize me I'd just tell a porky and now I just think well actually no it's nothing to be that embarrassed about now. So where next do you think for reality tv um, I mean there are some extraordinary themes being followed in reality tv again it's a long way from um, Scylla Black's blind date which is where it all sort of started. I do worry it'll just get more and more obscene because as viewers we're so at the beginning reality shows were quite shocking i remember watching it when i was about 14 15 i was like my god this is amazing and now we're just so desensitized to it i think it's just got to get more and more ridiculous which i do find quite worrying yeah which they're already doing in the us oh my god yeah we always follow on don't we and uh, how, how do you handle the kind of how do you handle the hate or what advice would you give to someone if they were newly getting newly famous yeah so do you mean about trolling yeah yeah, I, I kind of went full circle. It used to, because I've struggled with acne for a really long time and it was the one thing. They always used to say, oh, you Tory scum. That was one thing I used to always get. Or it used to be pizza face, you've got terrible acne. And I decided to do um, a feature for this morning and it was the best thing I ever did. I just slipped down the barrel. I took my makeup off and I said, hi, trolls. This is my skin. I know it's not great, um, but whatever you say, I've got there first, so please stop. And they did, and because of that, another thing that I think is really good with the fame that I've got, I've never had a response from anything like that. So many young people look at it, and they thought, well, do you know what? If she's done a bit of telly and she gets spots like me, maybe it's not so bad. I just think you've got to leverage your platform in the right direction. That's really inspirational to do it like that, I must say. That's so reassuring for other young people who've got that issue and think they're worthless. So. Everyone gets a few spots, but some just get it worse, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, it doesn't go away with age, I find. <laughs> I'm glad this is radio. On. Still here. <laughs> so annoying. And how is it that Maiden Chelsea is still going, too? Unbelievable. I don't know. And my friends have been on there for 10 years. 
I just think that I don't get it. But people are fascinated with having an hour away in this ridiculous kind of aspirational lifestyle that probably half of it's real, half of it's not. You don't prance around drinking champagne all the time like we do in the scenes. But the friendships are there and I think there will always be an opening for it. And I um, I had drinks with my friend Ollie Locke last night and he was telling me that the show is doing better than ever, which I just think is amazing. So people obviously aren't tiring of it. Oh yeah, and another thing I want to tell you, Oliver brought it up last night. So he was the first man to come out as a gay man on television. Of course, there have been soaps and storylines, but it's never been real. And I, I remember about a year ago, I was on holiday with a friend of mine who is a gay man. And he said to me, when Ollie Locke came out on that show, my friend was in his boarding house at school and he knew that he, he was having trouble coming to terms with sexuality. And he said, when I saw that guy on the show that we were all looking forward to on a Monday evening, coming out and saying he was a gay man, it gave me the strength and the confidence to go on and tell my friends and family. And I think if reality TV does do any positives, for me, that is quite a big one. Yeah, it is quite something. I must say that the reality TV I like too, um, like, I will sometimes watch too, are the ones with mixed generations, i.e. not just about the gorgeous, beautiful people on Love Island. And your friend and mine, Stanley Johnson, was pretty good in, was it the jungle one? Maybe, Maybe you and he should get together and try and formulate your own reality TV show, which is about cross-generations, like me and Flora trying to talk cross-generations. Yeah, I always he's such a good sport. Whenever I call him up, I say, right, Stan. I spoke to him yesterday. I said, right, Stan, what's our new scheme? Because I've, I've roped him into doing... Yes. You know, we, we've done that hunted programme to raise money for yes. stand-up to cancer. We did that. It was brilliant. We did Gogglebox, but it was a nightmare doing Gogglebox. He just didn't get it. And every time I spoke, he's going, top, top, be quiet. I'm like, Stan, this is the point of it? Like, yes. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I think, I hope that in the future it moves in a way where we see more interesting formats like that. Yes. People from different backgrounds, I do think there it needs to go in that direction. I agree, I agree. I must say, I do enjoy Gogglebox. That's Mum's subtle way of desperately asking to be on Gogglebox. I That's just might, putting out I feelers. Think I, might, I think I might be quite good on it. Yeah, I think I could handle that. You two would be fab. You've got to do it. <laughs> I think we'd need you or Stanley alongside us, Toph. What would you say if, if, when young people ask you, I want to be a reality TV show, what, what do you say to them? Or oh, I want to be a star like you. Oh gosh, it would make me die inside because I know that I've just been so lucky. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a minefield. And I think you have to be really strong-minded. And for me, I always had a backup. I could have just gone to university. And I think that's why I wasn't so dispensable to the producers um, because I have my little thing in the background potentially going on that never happened. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> but, but you're so right to put it like that, which is any success in life involves a lot of luck. And it's important telling people that so they don't think that if they make the right moves, they're going to get where you are. So much of it is luck. Yeah, so much. Most of it. All of it, I'd say. <laughs> and what's your what's your favourite thing to watch? Or do you do you now not watch reality TV shows because you're, you know, it's too similar. It's too like watching what you've done. You've been there. You see the, you know, you can see the man behind the curtain. I get that's one thing. It does ruin it for you because I can see what the producers have said in their ear about 20 seconds before. I just know it. I like watching the thick of it. What else do I like watching? <laughs> no, nothing. No reality TV, really. I don't even get that much into Love Island. I've watched it because you have to because it's such a cultural phenomenon. Um, no, I'm not big on it now. Funny. Well, with the lockdown, a lot of them had to stop, didn't they? So there's a lot of repeats going on there. Maybe with the lockdown ending, yeah. there will be a resurgence or something. Oh, totally I've just original. done a funny one. I have done one thing. So my dog got rigged up with a GoPro and he ran around the house for Channel 4. I mean, what are they going to come up with next? It's quite, it's quite innovative. <laughs> but yeah, called Snoop Dogg. So. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. That's amazing. <laughs> Wow, she was really good. She has really made me think about reality TV and some of the value that it adds that I hadn't thought about. I particularly liked her point about trying to make sure that everybody voted ahead of the general election by using her platform to say, well, boys, have you registered to vote? I thought it was interesting the way I thought one of the difficult questions would be, how do you feel about 
uh, reality TV creating goodies and baddies and then releasing the baddies out. And she basically just said, the baddies are often bad in real life. And the public loves a villain. The public loves a villain. Yes, that was so interesting. Um, So I think that the type of reality TV that we were talking about with her um, does sound more compelling than I thought it was previously. I mean, I'm still not going to spend hours watching it, but I can see that for certain... Um, people like Toff, who was so uh, winning, it's a fantastic thing to do. It basically seems like if you go in with your eyes completely wide open and you don't expect to be to come out of it as Toff, then it's maybe less exploitative. And as long as the programs have the right kind of level of care and level of aftercare and level of you know support, then it's more then it then it's perhaps okay. But everyone can't go into it thinking they're going to come out of it a celebrity. Yeah. They're not, they can't all be winners. That's absolutely right. But she also shared my concern, I felt, about the genre itself potentially dumbing down. You know, starting as being a kind of reasonable reality TV encounter, et cetera, et cetera. And now as the public get more used to it, the producers needing to produce something ever more shocking. But, she shared that concern. But I don't think that's fair. For example, use the example of uh, sex on television. Yes. But actually, Love Island used to show show sex on television and now it doesn't anymore. It used to show smoking, now it doesn't anymore. It's said that it's going to look at having different body types. I think the viewing audience is starting to demand more and saying that's not okay. You need different races, you can't show that, you can't be so exploitative. We all saw what happened with Jade Goody and that's really been unwrapped recently. I think you're wrong. I don't think it can continue to get worse. I think we're more aware and the public demand a better outcome. Well, you have a very optimistic approach to this. I think I'm going to have to think again, but I think I will still not be a huge fan of watching it. There are so many other things to do. Um, have, have you ever been asked to be on a reality TV show? No. I haven't. You've never got the call up? No, Flora, I haven't. I think that's because I hope they conclude that I would say no, because uh, this is enough post-Parliament exposure, as far as I'm concerned. I think you've lowered your standards pretty far with doing this with me. You might be getting all sorts of calls now. They'll think you're up for anything. I'm definitely not up for anything, but doing this is certainly an eye-opener. been listening to split opinion with flora gill and amber rudd it's a wireless studios production for times radio produced by ben mitchell tune in to times radio every sunday at 7 p.m to hear us live and you can download the podcast to listen on demand we're available at acast spotify apple podcasts and more Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.